Welcome to the Better Future podcast series brought to you by Driven by Design Award Programs. I'm Mark Bergen, the founder of Driven by Design, and joining me is... Kirsten Mann. I'm Global VP of Product Experience for Oracle's Construction and Engineering Global Business Unit. This podcast series is a special series where we focus on design in the boardroom. It's a series of infield recordings and live panels with design giants from around the world, and we discuss how boards are leveraging design to accelerate economic outcomes. In other words, how is design being managed up, down, and across the organisation? In this episode, Mark and Maria explore how the C-suite in very small organisations can accelerate business outcomes by using some shared pooled resources. In past generations, this might have been called a co-op. Today, it's about the governance to enable very small creative practices to be able to work with government and corporate needs. Hi, Mark. I'm Maria, uh, architect and urban design, European and smart. Now, Maria, you have a beautiful, beautiful Portuguese name. Help me out with the full name there. (laughs) Um, I will say in Portuguese, uh, Maria João. I I can tell you, listeners, I've been dreading all day trying to work out how with my my English accent I'd get that out. But uh, so Maria's helped us out there. So Maria, we're here and um, we're at a place called Volumes, which is a physical space, a co-working collaborative space here in Paris. And this is where you work in in Paris. And this is and we're going to be examining now a little bit about smart, which is the Society Mutual for Arts, which I think began somewhere around the eighties in Belgium. It's got a hundred thousand odd members associated with it. It allows creative people to actually work together, work independently, provides a governance level, a guidance level, but allows people to actually go do their own projects. The fact that you're one of 100,000 people is astounding. I'm sure many people don't know about SMART. So tell us, because you explained to me a little bit about your journey, how you came across SMART. You'd been searching for something that looks like this and then you found SMART and said, that almost looks like what I'm after. Help me out. Tell me a bit. Yeah, it's a little bit uh, like that. We we have been uh, talking together for some minutes, and I think you yeah you already uh, uh, understood. I I was handling uh, different projects with some values and specificities, and uh, when I meet Smart was a very it was an important point of the line because it was filling my research, and so I just uh, joined. So then the work that you're doing, you started off, or I shouldn't say start off, you are an architect, you've worked in architectural practices, you've decided that there's something other than working in architectural practices and you needed some of the support structure that you would have got working in the practices but not exactly that shape. And that's what you found when you went to SMART, that there was a way to go get something which gave you structural shape behind the organisation but didn't feel like it was a corporate corporate entity. Yeah, it was, uh, yeah, it was that. I was um, architect and urban designer in a very working and developing my activity in a very traditional way here in France. And after the 
kind of nine years of experience, even if I was since the beginning start to, to look around and not just be focused on these uh, prof more traditional uh, profession, um, professional activity. I was always needing to get to breathe there around to see what are the new practices and the new needs, my needs, the needs of the clients, the needs of the reality I was facing. I was maybe always a little bit critic, uh, too much critic. And so, yeah, putting questions about the ways we are doing, we were doing, what should we do for the future to be better for me and for the others. So these re different relations and dialogues between scales of time and space. So this brought me to, to a first stage of professional activity linked to traditional companies and to develop projects. And I didn't tell you, Mark, but in this middle of these first 10 years experience, um, I, I launched or I, I, I sent some seeds uh, in direction also Portugal through a European competition made for young architects under 40 that his name is European. Mm -hmm. So since a long time, it was kind of, I was working in the firms, architectural firms, and each time I could, each two years, I submitted a, a, a project for Portugal because it was for me a pleasure to work in Portugal. Mm -hmm. And even if I know it will be very hard to make it work, but it was the pleasure of doing the project. And, and for therefore, I'm sorry, I'm, I'm going a little bit out of no, the conversation, no but it's feeling somewhere. And um, and I was needing to apply to this kind of um, tool, European tool, that is the name European, that is a European competition that makes young Europeans um, professionals to apply to different cities in Europe and to try to to get some first commands to launch the big, and it's big subjects normally are the the subjects that people don't, the cities don't know how to react. So they give them to the young professionals to try to find new ways. And I did it three times. We win once. Uh, and uh, and behind of these, it was the, it was very important for me to work in Portugal, but also to have a tool to build up Europe. And, and smart is also a tool to help to build. Europe. So I want to I want to drill in a little bit there because our listeners are in Europe, they're in Asia, they're in Australia, they're in the US, and there's many different regulatory systems and corporations, law, government grant programs that are in there. I know in Australia, if you tried to go and apply for a program like that and you were a freelancer, they'd bounce you because you don't have the insurances, you don't have the corporate governance, you, so you're out of the game. You can't even start. It's, it's almost like you failed the dope test, not in the game. In the United States, the same thing happens, and uh, somewhere around about uh, 2016, 2017, the City of New York, through their design uh, construction uh, unit, worked out that they were actually losing all of these small architects to be on projects because if... It, if you weren't of a particular size, you were never going to be able to go through their application process. And they brought in um, for small company sourcing. They then made it a policy as a percentage of small companies they were going to source for. And what it did was it drove down the overall cost of projects in, in New York because, because of the fact that they now had a, a better competition. Um, 
I've seen in Europe that there's a, a different context here. And for any of the listeners who haven't worked in Europe, I had the pleasure of doing that in, in the 1980s, 1990s. And it's not good, it's not bad, it's just a different regulatory framework. That's probably because you've got national governments with a national taxation. You've then got a regional governance program in the form of the European Union. And it provides economic uh, portability between those countries, but also brings in some compliance and regulation issues, which are a little bit more complex. So something like SMART makes a lot of sense for people in Europe, and it's obviously got a great adoption there. There's probably going to be other solutions similar to SMART in your local market. And I think what's important to do is to actually try to understand the way that this opens up for creative people to go and actually work on projects. And I know particularly in the arts in Australia, there's many organisations that you go to if you want to put an arts application in and they'll provide you with a governance layer and uh, and so that they're set up. But they work with art projects, they don't work with design projects. So that's what interests me here is that the entrepreneur innovation design aspect can be accommodated by SMART, whereas in other markets it stops at art, artistic projects and artistic grants. So so let's go back in. You, you've been on a, on a journey of discovery and you've, you've worked out what you might need to allow you to do the projects that you want every so often dabble in as a, as a as an architect and put some propositions in for projects and through your research you've come across an organization that picks up on your shopping list of needs and <laughs> but when that happens it's unlikely you would have picked up on a hundred percent i'd imagine you might have had 110 items on your list and it picked up 95 of them so there's 15 that you had to work out I've either got to let them go or I've got to do all of this myself. So was that a big decision for you working out the few things that SMART didn't accommodate or was it just thinking about how you'd operate, reframing a few things that meant that you could work inside SMART and still keep those values and goals that you had? Yeah, I think uh, definitely um, you are doing a good lecture of all of this on the SMART um, when I meet them First, so it's these like volumes is something always under construction, under construction, like everything, but kind of uh, in a very assumed way. And when I met them, I can, it's it was really they were offering a very very agile, we say agile, 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 yeah. agile very way, much on trend, very adaptive, agile, yeah. and uh, that was perfect because I knew that. Uh, I will not be having the same needs every time, so my shopping list will change also. And uh, smart when at the stage I was when I meet them um, was I could start to do what I was wanting with them, and I could also evolve. Like I could start like a uh, kind of something like a freelance uh, alone, starting going for the clients and so on. But they will allow me to to grow up. To my company grow, to grow, and um, uh, in okay, there was this big issue that was about income from a regulated profession and smart being architecture, uh, being architecture, which is a registered profession exactly. in different parts of the world. Oh, which actually, is I think I think in all parts of the world oh, oh. because. Yeah. 
could a be... little bit like surgeons and lawyers. It, it is a profession because buildings used to fall down and they needed to make sure people who knew how to keep buildings standing up were doing it. And that would have created some, co- some complexities. Yeah, the problem is that in the reality, <laughs> there's uh, less than 100% of architecture that is being done by architects, but it's another question. Uh, do, so... do you know in most countries in the world the term engineer? is not a protected term. You don't have to have a degree to call yourself an engineer, but you do need to have a, have a registration to be an architect. It's, a, it's an interesting <laughs> it's, difference. It's interesting. Yeah? So, but coming back, so in fact, this was kind of one, maybe the one um, difficult point in my list that SMART couldn't at the time, maybe in future they, it could uh, um, accommodate uh, myself as a, a professional in a regulated profession today, it can. It's not possible. Oh, that's interesting because in most in most markets that you have the organisation, so the architectural practice, and then they go and that they went with their registration comes a professional indemnity through the registration board. That's, uh, that happens in the United States, happens in Australia, happens throughout Asia, that it's the registration board that provides the professional insurance, similar to for lawyers, that there's mm. often a professional But I have indemnity. mine in port. I, I, okay, so I, they, I have it already. So, so you've got the professional indemnity, but they couldn't accommodate somebody who is yeah, a they regulated professional. Yeah, so all, okay. all the assurance today they cannot. Maybe in future they will they can. But also, as you said, my activity, I was wanting also to go out of all these very rigid frame and I was also very close frame that architecture was giving me. So myself as creator, uh, as a designer creative, uh, I was not finding uh, the interests of uh, my professional interests in my activity. Uh, so SMART was really kind of a platform, a way that allowed me to start to explore other domains. SMART, uh, res- there, in, in France, there's different uh, cooperative uh, um, s- uh, structures uh, that approach for domains for more arts, more uh, um more economics, more numeric, and so on. Uh, and smart already, they are, they are much more they are much more hybrid. So they they were standing different types of professionals: writers, researchers, um, designers, um, people doing formation, architects, as and creatives in my domain um, in assistance. So not in the core of professional, but uh, making assistance to it. And um, dancers, choreographers, painters, plasticians. So it was for me also in a phase that I was looking for crossing fields, people, subjects, topics, and so on. It was great to be inside of this platform of projects of people also, because it's about people. And so to come back to your question, uh, when I went to when I went in when I decided to, to that smart will will be my company um, I did it uh, the only the only thing that was uh, um, being difficult was this question about I knew that inspired I could not be uh, I could not uh, work as uh, architectural in a traditional way but in fact it was not that I was wanting to do at the moment so it was perfect so it was a good answer for my needs. So, Maria, I originally thought we were going to actually do this, that the 
investigation on smart would be a, a little extension that we went and put at the end of the uh, end of our podcast. I actually just want to take what we've been talking about because it naturally flows into the next part, which is what you're currently doing, which is around urbanism. And and I want to get you to go and describe a bit of how you dis- how you think about it. I'm then going to put it into some terms that the rest of the audience might understand to condense that down. And then we're going to talk a little bit about how the idea of governance, managing up, managing down and managing across a project works to keep us on our theme around design in the boardroom. So so help me out how you describe what you're doing, which is not traditional architecture but is around the urbanism space. Uh, so I will try. <laughs> uh, so... Today I have in hands part of my hands, <laughs> and that's such a lo- that's such a lovely direct translation there. I can see that. Right? Okay, so it's like in my hands. So I, yeah, it's okay. So today on your on your plate in your hands, what projects have you got? Uh, I will share with you and with the audience. The name is Matt M. Uh, Arobas, how you say this? The nice at symbol. The at symbol. That is a very numeric and physical sign that I like very much because it places physically somewhere and digitally somewhere it's an address uh, so M at symbol T it's kind of a, a cross with something missing on, on the top and uh, for me this kind of three letter, letters this triptych design it was kind of um, a way to bring together all my previous experience to develop my uh, my nowadays professional activity, in fact, and to try to do something that kind of luxury, I don't know, to do what I want, in fact. So what I, what I absolutely adore here is that you've hit the exact conundrum or problem and the reason why you need an entity like SMART as the umbrella because it's not it's not easy to go and describe the sorts of um, co-design, co-creation, provocation sides of the work that you're doing. And then that means that if it's a municipal authority, if it's a corporation who need to work with you, they're going to get a little bit lost as they're trying to go and say, well, what are, what are we actually engaging with here? So by having an entity like SMART who goes and gives them some confidence, oh, this is an organisation that we can recognise, then an internal staff member normally says, we need this because, and so they've come up with the business rationale behind it, and like everything that ever is purchased, it has generally one item on a, on a procurement document that says... We're doing this for this initiative. <laughs> and what this is generally isn't stated much. But what I, what I'd like is the work that you're doing with Matt seems to, to be a co-design, co-creation, a re-evaluation of the impact of people's decisions in the built environment and the by making small considerations that they can have less impact on on the physical environment or without making those considerations can make a big impact. 
Is that a reasonable summary? I think it can be. Okay. Yeah. So, so then that's really useful for people who are, say I was um, down in Toulouse and uh, we're trying to get the people of Toulouse to understand a new sporting facility that's going in and uh, somebody in the Toulouse community has said that the building should be a, a box of a certain shape and it should point in a certain direction. But to do that, the environmental impact is huge. So bringing somebody like you in to do a community consultation, to have a discussion of how we can go get the sporting facility down in Toulouse, how can we make sure that the community understands the smart aspects of, of the decisions that they're making, but bringing them along on the journey rather than trying to break through. Because we know breaking through with a project, uh, which is just using brute force, it then creates some resentment. But if we can help people to understand how to tread more gently on the planet to create a better future and that they've come along on the journey, we wind up with a much better society. So that's where I can see the, the nature of the project that you're doing is useful there. To do that, you need somebody who has expertise in the built space, somebody who has expertise in facilitation, and somebody who is hugely passionate about the interaction of, of community and having dialogue, which is, which is what I've seen that you've got packaged up. So now that you've got that opportunity, and you've got you've got a proposition what you uh, what you're offering. You've also got the um, the structure to go do that with. You've got a methodology that you're delivering in. You obviously can write some good proposals and some good reports that help people understand that we're going to experience something and we have experienced it. So how do you ma help to manage up? to the people who have engaged you and is that something that's a structured process or is it like a lot of your work would be which is almost a textural feeling feeling the people and coming up with an agile response to what their needs is tell us a bit about that so i listen to you it's of course it's because march is also a mixing of all the experience previous experiences so of course it, it was i had a series of flashbacks of different experience that justify and explain why i'm here and why march is there's this shame shape um Definitely, I would just make a parenthesis to don't forget to say it. This, there's this consideration and care that people are part of the solution. They are part of the territory and they are ingredients of the, the, the process. Uh, and then, um, and this is something that was very clear in one of the projects I, that we pushed the smart um, door and also volume that was other project named Atelier de Rua, so the street workshop that was launched in 2014 at the same time of our volumes. And it was about uh, today is a project that can develop with smart and civic wise. That is a platform for open uh, and collaborative urbanism. And it was exactly to establish a method, a method, a methodology of work with people on, and to go through these points. And to, to, to answer your question about how you do it today with Matt, Matt, in fact, it's, today it's, it's me and, um, and 
behind me there's uh, lots of even behind Matt I told you before when we went to to know the first physical installation of Matt there's kind of a matrix so it's kind of a support and this kind of these uh, the cross dots that define a kind of horizontal and vertical direction of the space and the create the space of creativity of Matt so this is a red kind of a working scheme and context that is part of the methodology of Matt so and this is just one grid that is kind of the support of my action with the different actors in different territories. And I, it's not about feeling I wake up tomorrow and it's pink and tomorrow it's blue. It's blue. It's, there's definitely, I'm, maybe it's a problem or it's kind of a professional quality or not quality, but um, I'm... F I'm a format, format, format. I'm formatted as architect, and I a lot of systematic, and I like methodologies. So what I give people f with math is something very adaptive. So I will try to give them a, a I will try to propose them a solution adapted to the context. So that means it depends of the context, economic context, the time we have for the project, the people, how many people we are in face. If it's a big table or a small table. And facing this project I have in face, and facing my background, I will try to give them a math solution, agreed to work together. Then, or maybe I can give them two or three grids to say, okay, we can do this, but we'll take us this amount of time and money, and, and we can do that. And the, the way the way it will be like this, this and that. And normally, I always offer kind not a multitude of things that go and through. I, what I offer is more a process guided by a methodology that will give us one or two solutions that will allow us to reflect of the context from where we want to go and or we achieve to, to our goal or it will be a step, to, a next step further. I don't know if I, I could no, no, answer no, to no, your this question. Is, no, this, is, this is great because... What's interesting there in that you know, concept of the open collaborative urbanism is it means so many things and there's so many dimensions to what people need. So it's likely that somebody who actually comes and says we need, we need some assistance, they might be in a placemaking project where they're trying to make, make sure they get the execution right from day one. They might be a, they might be a municipal government that has a, a need to go and repair part of their community that is broken. So it's a, an intervention to put in something new but also try to address some underlying problems that are there. And so that's going to be a very different scope of work, very different response. But using the toolkit that you've got and the and the understanding of how the built space works, the insights on the on how the environment works, giving them the framework around a matrix, you've got a, a really good opportunity to work with them. I suppose what's what what does interest me is that you're involved with something which is it's an in ephemeral pursuit because in six months time the shape of what you're doing will have changed enough to be responsive to the needs in the market and the knowledge that's around that it's hard for somebody to immediately understand what that is and where it works in their organization 
So that idea of being able to manage up, you're going to have to be evolving the language that you've got. You're having to be responsive to the needs of the people who are engaging you to make sure you're saying, yes, we're responding to what your needs are and we're delivering up to you the results that, that you wanted to have. And, and that's a very interesting process because uh, there's trust involved with that. There's a huge amount of professionalism but it's no different than if I was getting you in as a creative director to come up with a, a logo, which is what you do in one six-month period is totally different to, or, or the branding for a company is going to be totally different to six months down the track. The language is going to be different. So I suppose the more that you can give people an idea that there is something tangible that they're involved in, the easier it is for them to continue to work with you. And that's where this governance model comes in very interestingly, that they know there's a certain type of report they get out from you. They know there's a certain sort of proposal. They know that there's an organisational structure that you've got through SMART. But every brief that you take is going to be different. Every response and execution is going to be different. And it's how, as a, as a free agent, that you can actually package it up so, it's, so there's an interface to them that, that gives you more success because if there's an interface they can attach to you, if there isn't an interface, it's going to be very difficult for them to attach with you. They might like you, but for attachment reasons to the organisation, you're going to be bounced out. And I think a lot of people who are down in that free agent, freelance world don't understand that they have to still be able to attach to organisations and have the right hooks that they can get into. And I'm impressed with yourself because you've got that with Smart. You've got it by giving a brand name to, to Matt there's a structure behind it which means that you're likely to be able to be kept busy with this rather than just frustrated that people aren't accepting you it's an adventure <laughs> it, well actually because you, you you were saying it was a, a journey an adventure and I actually said it was an expedition because an adventure sounds frivolous a journey we generally know from A to B but you actually don't know where B is, do you? This no, is an absolutely not. For you. So <laughs> like, your clients, like the Portuguese in the 16th century, with their small boats, and didn't they were not sure to where they will arrive. Well, actually, I'm going to go back now, probably to Portugal in the last 16 months, not the 16th century. Portugal is, um, you know, we hear of Asian tigers, these economies which are going boom. Portugal's going boom, and and it's interesting to see that there's a lot of economic opportunity in Portugal. Maybe you'll get a chance to build some of those buildings that you want to without too <laughs> <Maybe>. much trouble. <laughs> I'm still waiting. <laughs> <laughs> so what we've been able to do is explore the dilemmas of being a freelancer, the idea of having an interface which is acceptable to middle and upper management so that they think they're actually engaging with somebody who, who's who got the right shape, which sounds like a really unusual term, but I think you know what I mean. It's like middle management. It's manage in a frame. It's a yeah, frame, it's a support a, exactly. that you can there's trust. A, there's a frame. They will not, if I, if I go down, there's still people interfacing, right? Yeah. And so that a there's peer, a, 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 a peer. A, like. a peer, yeah. That's a, that's a great term. 
because middle management generally get they frighten easily. They're a little bit like wild animals because they're alone. Al- alone and they, they smart men are not alone. Well, and also they don't want to do something that is courageous. Middle management are not known for their courage. They want to do something that's compliant. And that's basically how companies work. We we want our middle management to be compliant but not courageous. We want them to be innovative, but that requires some idea that they might need to be courageous. So they get caught between those two there. So so the fact that you've got that you've got a shape in an interface that actually can can work with that middle management layer, you're giving them the hope and the trust around the innovation of of the process and the outcomes, but you're giving them the compliance and the status quo of this is an organisation that works like us now, but may be able to help us to take us into the future, or into next but they work the way we work now. And that's such an important thing because if you're trying to be that that expedition leader into what next is, you've got to remember the people are coming from today. And I'll go back then to the 16th century with those, uh, who was it, Vasco da Gama was the big one. <laughs> he was the guy we don't talk a lot about. He must have been able to say, look, in the context that we've got here, go give me enough money so I can go off and explore the world. I'm not really sure what's out there. But he was able to convince people in the terms that were relevant to them in Portugal at that time. Where he was going to and what he was going to explore was beyond everyone's wildest belief. But he was able to say, I might be able to take you into the next era for Portugal but I need to prove that I'm actually doing this uh, in the minimal, min, or with the minimum amount of risk, with the best interest for your for your invested dollars, because somebody was putting the money up, somebody was at risk. Yeah, and I, I think there's there's always different sides of the story, but I think it was not Vas da Gama; it was kind of a generator that was in Portugal with no risk to go out in a boat and to get uh, collab get lost in the ocean. There was a, a very black uh, character, personage. Oh, I like this. I, uh, didn't, black, I don't know uh, this totally, part. That his name is, uh, it was Infante do Henrique. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. <laughs> help, me, help me with that. Infante? Infante, en fait, c'est le fils de roi, uh, the, pardon, the, 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 the son of the king, uh, one of the sons, but not the, 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 the oldest, not the one that will be king. But he's a very black, noir, you know, noir. Uh, His name obscure. wasn't Donald Jr., was no, it? No, no, it was Enrique. Enrique. <laughs> Enrique I think is there's an Eric name. in the Trump family as well. <laughs> <laughs> and this guy, he was, he was just, he just, uh, so he let, he lived in different parts of Portugal at uh, the, so he were in the kind of uh, 15th century, uh, he lived in the 15th century, so 104, 14 something. And, um, after he was really con- so he has access to the knowledge because he was the face of the king he was inside of the schools and he decides and he, he has the, the the support of the, the the of the king to establish himself in the point most in the south the the pier in the south of the country in Sagres where 
I don't know, it was kind of fishermen, uh, beaches and uh, nothing, almost. And established, and waves and wind and so on. The, the start and the end of the Europe, and we go back to Europe. And he has the ocean in face of him, and he has the money, and he has the knowledge, but he doesn't don't go in the boats. He knew that there was something, he just know where was the way, but he knew that we, we could get somewhere, and so he will finance people. And we'll incitate people like Vashda Gama to make boats. And, and it's absolutely incredible. I don't know if it was true, but there's documentaries that you can really see that this guy, he went to this no place uh, in, in the south and he created really what today we call these um, pepiniere, uh, these innovation places because there were, he, the he brought... Sil- the Silicon Valley... Of and the city century, yeah. Wow. I would say, well, I don't know, but it's kind of what he, he, he brought there. He brought lots of Jewish community people linked with knowledge, all the cartographies, the people who, sh- who could draw winds, understand winds, sun, stars, build ships, so all the arch- naval, how you say naval? Naval. Uh, naval, yep. naval architecture. Uh, how you will survive then the plants, the botanic all the knowledge to what what you need to 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 build a boat first so the technology behind the knowledge people uh, making archives making cartography there's a huge production of cartography that each boat that was going out they should bring knowledge to update the cartography so it was really university open university because it was with people building uh, how you say the, the sharpenters cutting the wood yeah. the cutting wood the others drawing the maps the others writing letters the others making commerce the others it was kind of mixing everything. It was ent- entrepreneurship. So and what I am saying today, mm-hmm. just to finish, because yesterday I, I spent the end of the day with Michael Bowens in a conference, SMART, and he was saying that today the difference in SMART also is to, 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 spe- uh, to make the, the, the change or to cross the bridge from the entrepreneurship to entre donneur, entre donnership. So from the one to take, entrepreneur, it prends, it takes. Yeah, that's extraction. Extraction. Yeah. And with smart and my product, we are more entre donnership, you so, know, the ones so, who want to don, oh, to add, build the ad, commons. An additive. Additive, so, so yeah. if you've got an extraction, the opposite of that must be an additive. We oui, yes, yeah. additive for the common goods. Awesome. So that is kind of an idea behind. But the dynamics are the same. It's missing knowledge, uh, knowledge, um, interest, money uh, investment, investment, money availability, and people. So it's really interesting that we've gone in there from, and I wasn't expecting this at all. Me neither. <laughs> that we've, we've touched on the short-termism of the extraction of tech innovation sector. And we've also gone in there to the idea of an additive society where we're actually getting the accumulation of wealth and benefits to sharing the community. Sharing knowledge, yep. yes. Giving value to it, not to extra, yeah. And hopefully it's not just sharing knowledge. Hopefully it's also sharing the means that uh, that comes out. Because one of our themes is uh, about a better future, which is are we doing something for our grandchildren's grandchildren, which is, which is a longitudinal perception of how do we make a better environment, how do we go make a better world. And the problem when you have extractive industries is that 
you've actually depleted assets that are there. The additive actually works out how do you accumulate and I think we're going to find that's a particularly high need that we have to solve both the environmental challenges that we've got and the economic challenges which is we have to work out how we take everybody forward with us whereas at the moment I think at the tail end of neoliberalism we've got that we're leaving some people behind and if we can't work out how to take everybody along in that mutuality and the advancement of our community we wind up with some tensions and I think we're seeing yeah. some of that and in I, Paris. I think it brings us to one of my ingredients because I say Matt it's kind of my base ingredients of my my cuisine, I say, of my kitchen, that's my table. Uh, I, 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 I used to say that I like to exp- the main ingredients to do everything I do is using and playing with points that join, make lines, and together make surface that create spaces. But we have to maîtriser, we have to understand them, and uh, we say maîtriser, maîtrise. Control them, to, to control them. So like when you are chemistry and you are in your lab, you have to control what you are doing. But uh, this to say that maybe it's not this extractive, this additive, but there's this idea that we are in, and that's not because of nothing that we are here, and I'm looking to a logo of Fab City. It's about circular. So it brings me to the dot and to the line in a circular that we don't know when it starts, when it ends, but is a kind of um, a system. And uh, since we believe that okay, the, the world will not end tomorrow, it's cyclical. And to understand that it's this cyclical thing, so it's kind of, I would say, circular and cyclical economy and respecting the ones that were before, the ones that go after. We cannot put, because with plastic, we additive, for instance. We, have, we just put things once, so there was the extraction, then we put them ones above the others, and it's not that. It's kind of recycling, regoing this, this kind of the circle. And we go to the first invention, big technological invention of the world, the wheel. <laughs> Samri, you've taken me on a journey here that I wasn't expecting. We've been back to Vasco da Gama, which I always love, Vasco da Gama. He's the forgotten adventurer in the world. Christopher Columbus gets so much more attention than Vasco. (laughs) So I'm a Vasco fan. You've taken me into the Silicon Valley isn't uh, isn't a new entity. It actually happened in Portugal in the 1500s. And we've also then been able to have a conversation which is about how can freelancers go and actually present themselves so that they've got high attachment and high compliance with entities that they're going to work with so that they're going to have more success because a lot of freelancers are frustrated because they can't work out how to stick to companies and working out how to attach and stick to companies means that you're not burning a lot of time doing that. So thank you so much for explaining SMART to us and thank you for the history lesson on Portugal. You're welcome. It was a big, big pleasure. Thanks to to, to, to have joined. <laughs> Thank you again. Bye.